Hi, I'm Mike Taylor, president of Innovative E. Welcome to Are You Done Yet? Our new podcast series. I have with me today, Brian Quick. Hey, Mike, how you doing? I'm really I'm happy to be here kicking off this new podcast series or video cast series. I'm not sure what you call it, but uh, we're gonna you're going to see our faces and you're going to hear from us as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So today's episode is going to be about um, this new time we live in, uh, being early April 2020. Um, everyone now is kind of in what we're calling a forced virtualization, if you will. Many people already worked at home. Uh, many more people are, almost everyone is, is trying to work in school from home. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. But uh, maybe you can set up kind of this series in general, Brian, and tell, us, tell us everybody a little bit about what we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, have you ever uh, been in a project meeting, Mike, where you're the project manager and you, there's people sitting seated at the table, everybody's got their laptop, they're all emailing each other, um, maybe they're a little bit distracted um, by what's no. going on and they don't, <laughs> they don't really want to be in your project meeting that you're having. All the time. Um, and uh, you're basically going around the room and you're saying, are you done yet? Well, mm -hmm. you're never really done, are you? That's right. Nope. Yeah, yeah, even if you're done with a task or a section, there's always something else on the next piece. And and many times when you're in into these kinds of things, there's there's a lot more to it. And that's where you have to dive into it in those kind of meetings. And um, yeah. and there's tools and processes and everything else. So those are areas we'll explore. So it's like this convergence of project and what we're calling work management, which is the smaller stuff that you're doing every day and really the all up approach of trying to get and make decisions on that data, right? So it's not just about having a, a particular project with a with a tool to manage that, that does X, Y, and Z, and then everything else. Organizations are trying to get insight into everything that's going on uh, because the boundaries of what is, is and isn't a project are sort of breaking down a little bit in today's work environment. So we're gonna explore these concepts. You know, we're both project managers. We've been in IT for quite a while. We talk to customers every day. We're going to have guests come in to yes, uh, to give them to give their perspective on the current situation with work management and project management out there. Um, we're going to talk to other people, customers, other vendors, partners, colleagues of ours in the space, and we're, and you know we hope you join us. We we hope we give you some insight um, into how you can take these things back to your office. Um, and then, bam, COVID nineteen happened, right? That's so right. now we're all stuck at home. Some of us are used to it, though. We've been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. Innovative E is, um, you know, we put out some some information on this. We've actually been a pretty much a virtual organization from the get-go. So for over 15 years, we've been working in different um, different locations. Even though we have some office space, a lot of, there's been a lot of work from home and working virtual. We do deliver for our customers in that manner. So, um, you know, while we do on-sites for, you know, for requirements and training and those kind of things, the vast majority of our work has been remote. But <laughs> now um, we're not yeah. just like in my case, and I know in, in your case, Brian, you know, your primary um, office location is your home. Um, yeah. You now have a lot of other people working in your office space. <laughs> a few more so, challenges. That, that, more challenges. That say. Yeah. So um, as we speak, my, my kids are all home, four kids um, under 12, and, uh, and it's a loud house, you know. Um, there's barking dogs, there's chirping birds, and uh, there's sometimes, you know, wrestling and fighting and roughhousing going on um, outside my office. People just walk right in. They feel like if dad's here that they can ask him what's going on or can I play Roblox or whatever right. that case may be. And uh, I'm sharing bandwidth. 
where mm-hmm. I wasn't sharing that before, and they're all kind of on their devices. They're we're having to deal with a lot of that. So even though I'm used to working from home, um, I have a whole net new set of challenges. Can you imagine like what it's like for somebody who's used to commuting, going to an office every day? Not only are they challenged with how the heck do I do this? I have to clear out a space. Um, but all these other things that us work from home veterans are also facing. Right, right. And like you said, even though we have you know some additional challenges, you know, we're pretty much in the groove of doing this kind of thing. But yeah, we've talked to, we have the fortunate, um, you know, first of all, I'd like to say we're very fortunate in our industry that we can continue to work. There's a lot of people who've been displaced and, you know, I feel very bad for them and trying to do everything we can in their communities to help those folks. Um, So, you know, there's, you know, that's going to be an ongoing thing for a long time, but we're very fortunate that we do, since we already operated this way, our customers, some of them were already virtual, some of them have gone virtual. So we're, we continue to have these meetings. So over the last three weeks, we've heard some of these exact challenges that you're talking about. Some people who, um, one of our customers at, at a major um, health provider, they, they were an office worker, not an off, uh, hospital worker. So they were all sent home. And, and she was telling us that she actually had to literally take her desktop PC and unplug it and the monitor <laughs> yeah. and load it into her car and take it home, find a place for it, set it up, figure out how to get on the Internet. Um, she said, you know, uh, actually then a different customer was telling us that they realized that um, several of their people didn't actually have broadband access at home. And who would have thought that in today's environment? So there's all right. kinds of challenges and things that are going on. Um, but interestingly enough, people are actually examining some of these tools as well. And um, so we actually, uh, even another customer started asking us and, and do, we were doing a, a project online implementation for them. And they said, well, you know, now that we're all virtual, we're trying to manage some of this work that's not the project work that you guys are helping us with. So just as a, a side conversation, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how Planner works for just some yeah. task management and some things like this? So it's forcing people to think a little differently in terms of um you know, how they're managing their work all up. And I think this is starting to go, it, it must be resonating because we did see a, a post from Angela Byers, the head of the, the project uh, product team on Planner for that exact thing, how they use it. So we're seeing folks that are, you know, examining new ways to do work, um, many reasons because they've been forced to, right? And so they're like, right. how do I, how do I handle this, this, this kind of task management stuff that's not really a project, but now that we're virtual and I can't go you know, hey, Joe, who's sitting next to me and say, where are you at with this? Or, or are you done yet? Um, <laughs> I, I have to figure out how to put it all right. in one place. And, and Planner's a great tool for that. And and so we see people that are doing that kind of thing as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's it's forcing the issue for a lot of these folks that have kind of been lagging behind in the work from home space, companies that have been kind of reluctant to do it. Um, I remember a long time ago, you know, I put a work from home strategy together at another company that I worked for. And that seems like ages ago, but I think people are, we're just kind of going through that for some of these industries that are kind of weren't on the forefront of that trend. And this is, you said it like two weeks ago, this is forcing the issue. Life is never going to be the same again. No, because because it does work um, to work from home. I mean, you get more done personally, you get more done professionally once you kind of get orientated and situated to it there are challenges um you know getting the routine set knowing when to turn it off kind of a new reality of blending business with family Mm -hmm. very much so you know people are going to be leaning on these tools more and more and what was it i heard the other day that um, microsoft had like a 700 percent um 
in, increase, increase in teams, in teams usage. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's yeah. mind boggling considering the numbers that were already there. And that's mm -hmm. just with teams. There's there's a ton of other tools out there that do something similar and I'm sure they're dealing with the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So so it's it's a new reality. It's a it's a forced virtualization. Um, I called it the land of lost proximity. So um, very good. <laughs> land yeah. of the lost. That goes way back. <laughs> so we're all going to be dealing with this for a couple of weeks. We're I think we'll get a few episodes in during this period while we kind of work through the curve, as they call it, um, nationally here, and we're all kind of confined to our homes. So it's kind of an interesting time to be in the work management space. Um, and and so we'll we'll try to impart sort of our um, perspective on these things. Really, more broadly speaking, you know, we've been hearing a lot from our customers about, you know, I want to use Teams now that I'm working from home. How do I do that? Um, or what, what's the right tool for the job? Um, so we talk about a lot about planner, teams, project, project for the web. You know, we're really kind of Microsoft focused um, in that stack. Um, then, you know, you've got things like Power Automate and the Power Platform coming into play here. Yep. So we're, we're trying to, to figure this all out ourselves. And then when we do impart that on our customers. Right. Yeah. And we've actually done um, and we'll make these resources available. We've started a new knowledge center. It's called Connect. It's K-N-E-C Connect. Um, and we've, we've actually these assets of some of these. We've done now two webinars um, that are kind of on the because of this force virtualization. We started with a work from home one. So we've got that asset out there. So that's on the page. And um, we just did one yesterday that you um, and one of our other colleagues, Josh, helped uh, show you know how you use a couple of the Microsoft tools, um, the kind of the lower and at the beginning level, it's kind of like planner, which is better than to do list, but not quite where you would go with like project. And then you you demoed project for the web, which takes even a step further and allows you to do things with dependencies and resources assignments, things like that. So we're, we're making these resources available as well. Yeah. So, Mike, if I were kind of to put myself in other people's shoes that haven't been sort of using innovative tools for work management and you know where I'm at, I'm in email. I'm an email mm -hmm. as a work management tool. So yep. I can't imagine like a worse work management tool than an email inbox. Um, but we've all been there and done it. I think it was a while ago where I was kind of depending on my inbox as my to-do list. Right. You know, where, you know, you have that the task in Outlook, you have the task, you can mark things as to do. But yep. I was even depending on that email box to go down the list of things I needed to do that day. Why is that bad? Oh, that's bad for a number <laughs> of reasons. Um, because we've all been there, and yeah. and to a certain extent, I still have to, I have to force limit myself. I, I, this is a habit I've tried. I have to continually reinforce, force limit myself to only go to my inbox a few times. You know, maybe once an hour or something like that. Um, one of the reasons I find that it's bad is because it it takes you away from any kind of strategic focus. So you're not, you know, from a task. It, we all work task all all the time. Um, in fact, one of the things that you know, just to digress for a second about one of the reasons we think this series is so important is there's been a lot of studies about work management. And since the 50s, when information workers outnumber blue collar hands on workers, um, you're 60, 70 percent of the population now is information workers. Um, the vast majority of that work now has become more project focused because we've automated things like inventory management and things like that. So task management, work management, project focused type work, things that are not defined by operations or that are already automated are a vast majority of what us information workers and most workers are doing these days. Um, so to that end, 
like I said, now we're back to the question you asked me, um, email, why is it bad to manage email? email? Um, so one of the things that I find if I let myself stay email centric is that you're, you're very reactionary, right? Whatever's at the top of the, the box that comes in, you're looking at it and you're saying, do I need to take action on that? Yeah. Or, or something comes in and there's something that's on your list that you've written down or you're managing a planner or somewhere else that's a high priority item, but now you get distracted because this one peaks you. And sometimes it peaks you emotionally, right? It can be something that comes in from <laughs> a colleague. Just, oh, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, I got to get on that right now, right? And, and, yeah. and it completely sidetracks you from what you're trying to do you know, strategically and the, and the things that you have to get done. So, um, yeah. so one of the things I try to do is every day is I try to write down what are my big rocks to accomplish today and for the week. And I, I revisit that every week and the, the big rocks for the week go to the next section. Um, but I try to do that. With that, that list, those yeah, things. Yeah. 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 Try not actually, to look at, even look at the email box until you've right. looked at those things. Yeah, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> in this world of work management, Mike writes things down. I do, well, actually. And, and so do I. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The big rocks are on one side and the tasks yeah. are on the other. There's um, nothing wrong with that. It's a, first of all, it's a lot easier when you're on a call to write something down real quick on a piece of paper, especially if you're sharing video with a customer or colleague or something like that. You want to just even, jot something down. Or even in a I, meeting. No. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I share my screen a lot. Yeah. Right? So how am I going to um, share my screen? and click around on a demo or something like that, and also make a note in Notepad or OneNote. Yeah. You know, I can't yeah. do that. Which is an interesting um, tip that I think we probably came on that we didn't even discuss ahead of time, is there is a place for paper, right? Um, there and, is. And, and, okay. Or a separate device, <laughs> if, you wanted, if you wanted to do it on a separate device, an iPad or a separate yeah. Surface or something where you could take your notes, that'd be great. But um, it's hard to be using your, your, your primary machine and because most of the time we're either on video or we're sharing our screens, like you said, so there's no real way to do it um, from your primary machine. And I, some of our colleagues have tried to do it. And just like six months ago, I was talking to one of our project managers and um, you know, they were saying, you know, I really struggle with trying to do the internal notes and then sharing the the stuff with our customer that we're trying to review and try to do it all on on my device. And it's like, well, I don't you really can't do it that way. I mean, you just have to either write it down or have a separate device. Yeah. Um, then there's things like, um, you know, there's there's ways that you can you know take pictures of it and put it in you know office and things like that. There's some tools that can help you with that. But that's a that's a you know it's kind of a, a best practice that works for me anyway. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So with the email, you're right. It's reactionary, right? You're going down the list and you're basically responding to other people's priorities. Yep. Right. Yep. It's not those aren't necessarily the things you wanted to get done today. Exactly. They're other people's priorities. And yeah, I mean. It makes sense. You get that little alert coming, that box coming down. You see something like when I see something from you, Mike, I jump up and down. I just make sure that <laughs> you know, I got to answer that right away. Right. Well, so I got to so, be careful. Um, but you just said that I don't have to read your email, right? Um, that's not exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> don't let me take you off task is what I said. <laughs> you, you got something you're working oh, okay. on for a customer. Okay. Right. <laughs> Anyway, so um, so looking at that, I mean, like, what are some alternatives to email, um, and what are kind of some email strategies that you found uh, have been effective? Well, on the email strategies, uh, like I said, number one is I, I try to limit my um, how often I'm checking the email. Yeah. So I, it's probably it's probably a couple times an hour that I go on, but it, it's always up. So if something I, I do, you know. I do feel I need to be involved in case there's some kind of customer emergency or something and that little thing pops up and I see it. But I, 
but I also try most of the time when I see those those things come in, I don't respond to them immediately unless it is some kind of an emergency, which is very rare, maybe once every couple of weeks or something. So, so that's one strategy. Um, I think uh, another is I do use the the task within email to to organize and, and I'll mark things, flag them as high priorities, but I try to only do that with the things that are really important to make sure that I see it in that that task list that's up there. So I'll know when I open up email, these are the things. When I am in that space, that's what I do use. Right. Um, as far as other other things that I use, I, I use Planner. Um, I use my notes that that I work from, um, and and then of course we use Teams quite a lot, right? So there's an awful lot of communication that goes on um, in our company in Teams, yeah. and so a lot of things. Yeah, and, and it's and it's actually really helpful to centralize more and more. Our work is being centralized um, in, in that environment. So, for example, you'll send me something and you'll do the at mic um, mm -hmm. and, and it'll be something you want me to review or something like that in teams. And all I have to do is click on it and I, I'm right there and I'm working in the artifact. So it's not like an, an email attachment that comes in. I open it. Now it's locally in my machine. Now I got to go save it or send it back to you or something. I mean, right. it, it really makes that. Um, that work management process much more streamlined. So, right. um, and and then with the fact that you know most of these um, or all of these uh, Microsoft products now, uh, pretty much the Office products, you can do the co-authoring and things like that. So sometimes I'll open up a document um, or, or something or, or a PowerPoint or something that you send me or somebody else sends me, and and then I'll notice that you might be in there editing at the same time, and and we can work on it at the same time. And for those who aren't familiar with co-authoring. Um, we we've been demoing and working this way back to the SharePoint days, you know, ten years ago when it first came out and started working. Right. Um, this is a really important tip, though. If if you haven't done it from a virtualization standpoint, or even if the person's sitting next to you and you're working in the same document, don't forward documents around. Don't do yeah, that. Please stop doing that. Please, please stop, stop forwarding documents around as attachments. Yeah. Making changes and then attaching the document with your changes back to the same loop. That's and, like. And, Please stop yeah. doing that. It's like uh, that, you know, if you did, if you were, are still doing that, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that is, there's best practices and there's tips, but that's one that, I, yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I feel very strongly about. And um, even to this day, if somebody sends me, if it's internal, and it almost never happens because everybody knows what I'm going to do. If they send me an attachment, I'll send it, I'll send it back to them and say, where's this posted? So, because yeah. we all work on these documents and these artifacts together. Put it somewhere and send me the link, you know, put it into Teams, yeah. put it in a file repository or SharePoint repository, whichever we, we have um, that's the appropriate place and send it to me and then we'll work on it. Um, yeah. Because yeah. otherwise things get lost, right? You start chasing it down and, and email hell is, is, is that repository that takes things away from a central place. Right. We can do all this stuff in a central place and, and Teams really is, um, has become our, our go-to for doing all this work. Yeah, so if there's one thing that I think is a target for taking out of email and putting into Teams, it's that. It's the documents and the co-authoring and centralizing the location of those docs. That really works well. I mean, we've been right. accelerating in Innovative E about using that, and I think it saved us uh, a whole bunch of time. Um, yeah. And so, so on the that, co that is one. I'm sorry, I wanted to finish a thought on the co-authoring. Yeah. One of the things I started to say that we did, we start when we started demoing this stuff years ago when it first became available, mm -hmm. SharePoint, SharePoint Online, then Office. Um, we actually talked to people about it actually being almost like a time machine. Because <laughs> when I when I first found that the real value of co-authoring is like if we were working on a customer proposal or a deliverable deadline that had to be done at a certain point in mm -hmm. time, and we had we needed multiple contributors to it. And, and you're up against this deadline and inevitably in every organization you're going to 
you know, you're trying to put out the best product possible, so you're going to work right up to that deadline. Even if you plan and start way in advance, you're, you're finding things and ways to tweak it, and you've got three or four or five or ten people working on this thing. If you can't co-author it, then you have to send it or you have to point to a file repository. They open it. Um, your version, you're trying to worry about version history and everything else, but literally, if you think about it, if you had ten people that had to edit a document and each one needed an hour to do it, if they took an hour and passed it on, that's ten hours of duration. If you all could get in there and do it in one hour, you've saved nine hours. It's amazing. So that's why I said it's like a time machine. It really totally. does. It really does streamline the efficiency of the team to be able to do that. Yeah. So that's a really um, powerful thing. It is a really powerful thing. You know, when I'm in there in Teams, and we've we've talked about this, um, all, as well as that co-authoring works, you have to be sort of like you launch the the um, the Word document in Teams in the browser. Right. And it, that just is falling short. You know, the, the capabilities of the in browser okay. editing within Teams, it's just it's kind of wonky. Um, yeah. I always end up launching it in full word as you do as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's a couple of extra steps to do that. Um, but that's the only way to go. Yeah. Uh, it just it doesn't work really in browser. Now, what's interesting about that is the it's not because I'm offline and I want to make changes that I'm off that I'm putting it in full desktop. So if they put more things into that browser editing capability and they worked on improving that, I wouldn't I would very rarely have to launch Word. Right. Right. Yeah, I think. Um, that, but the, at, at this point in time, though, I think that's an advantage of the Microsoft platform is you do have the ability to launch it and he still yeah. it retains not only the full client experience, but you also have the ability to continue to do things like the co-authoring. It works in both of those, um, mm -hmm. you know, cache local documents and it's saving it in a central repository. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I'm like you. I'd, I'd love to see some of these these um, things improve to be as feature rich as it is with a full full um, desktop app. Um, yeah. But in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, um, I, we really that's the first thing we always do and, and i'll do that <laughs> you know you've seen me do it somebody in our <laughs> on our team will will be trying to edit it in the team's web uh, interface and i'll go uh, just open it just open go, it up you gotta they, open they, it up. they won't do it without <laughs> they just stop go open it <laughs> because yeah. the full feature is just not there um and right. and, and you're going to end up saving some time even though it takes a couple extra steps so there's another best practice for, for folks there is yeah. is Please. use the full feature and the stuff. inline commenting you know, on that on that editing capability when you are in the browser, the inline comments so you can see the history of the comments. That's pretty cool because yep. you're 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 basically giving somebody context to the changes you made. I yep. really like that. Yep. Um, really. We, we hear a lot from our customers about, you know, when do we start a new team and when do we do a channel and things like that? And really, you know, it's not it, there's not one way to do it. Right. Right. So what's what do you think the best advice we give to customers about? how we've set it up and what's working um, to impart that on them. Like what we have is, you know, we have a marketing team, we have a sales team, we have we have an engineering team. Um, we have a couple of other teams laid out. It's really departmental, isn't it? Right, it really is. And so this goes back and we've had some of these conversations and, you know, use a term that I, I like to use that Brian uses sometimes sausage making. So we're going to let you guys in, in on a secret. We don't have it perfectly laid out. Yeah. We've, we've done over the years, we've helped people with SharePoint governance and information architecture and all those kinds of things. Um, for teams, we've kind of organically evolved and we've used some yeah. of the best practices we've learned. So the best practice that, that we're using right now, 
might not apply for the organizations. But what right. we've done is we've made people who um, are heads of these departments, like you're head of sales, so you you own the, the teams for sales. So um, everybody knows to go to you if they need a new channel, you'll create a new channel and say, yeah, we're going to do that. So we've done that for delivery and for you know, projects and other things that we have, like, like at a department level. Um, we have about 60, 70 people that you know are, are using it. Um, would this scale? It might have a problem scaling if you had 600 or 6,000. Yeah. Because you might start to get a little bit of the chaos and wild westness. So, so what we've seen and what we probably recommend there is actually taking a more formal um, information architecture, teams architecture strategy, and also folding that in with our teams adoption strategy. So that you know people, you know, some of the things that you're doing to make sure that um, you know <laughs> you know adoption and and um, ease of use are kind of a seesaw, right? Um, it, <laughs> If, if you make it super easy, everybody will adopt it up front until it, if it gets out of control, then they'll quit adopting it and the seesaw will go the other way. So um, so there's there's ways you can do that. And, and that's actually something we can help you with. And we have some partners that we work with that are really good at the kind of the information architecture and, and the um, adoption planning and strategy. And that gets into even more complex things. Like if your organization has a lot of compliance and regulatory requirements around retention management, records management, um, you know, maybe even geo isolation for if you want to keep it in, in you know, these and then and, and teams and, and uh, the Microsoft platform support this capability really well, especially with some some third party, um, you know, add ins and things like that. So um, there's a lot of cool things you can do there so that you can get into a whole strategy there if you're in a large organization, smaller organizations. I definitely think just letting the, the managers of the different departments do that, do their thing um, is the way yeah. to go. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, what else do you like about Teams? Have you been changing any other kind of work habits because we've started using it? Um, the 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 video, um, you know, the the what mm -hmm. has now been the, the the conferencing capabilities, which used to be Skype. Um, at first in Teams, I, I kind of thought, well, it seems like it's not quite as robust as what you had with Skype. But now they're adding a lot more features. You've got like the blur background. Um, it's yeah, really let's, easy. Let's try the blur background. Just so yeah, there you go. What we're talking about. So blur my background. See. So if there's something like, you know, you're in a weird space, you're in a coffee shop, you don't want the background, you know, going on or, um, you know, just you're not you're working in your kitchen or, yeah. you know, whatever. Well, now um, with or, everybody being forced at home, I mean, yeah, like you were talking <laughs> about having a, a dedicated workspace. And, and, you know, we've got yeah. some more folks that they just don't have enough room when um, to be able to do that. So they're literally in the same room. There may be somebody behind them that's on the phone or doing right. homeschooling or something. So this this blur thing actually can can help take away those distractions i like to blur my background when i'm like working from the pool mike in the backyard yeah. just so i don't make other people jealous yeah there you go in your florida <laughs> people are yeah, still, anyways. snow is still melting up up north <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so that that's kind of a neat feature and you know it's something that you know it, it it's really probably useful for folks that are kind of faced with the new um, reality of virtualization um yeah. Yeah. So so another area, you know, that that folks are finding, um, you know, is that there's so many different tools on the Microsoft stack in Office 365 and they're kind of discovering these tools. So let's talk about Planner for a minute. So Planner, I use that when I need to. It's not really for my for me and to keep track of stuff that I want to do, because 
I have my list or I have, you know, that's really what Microsoft to do is for. I track tasks and outlooks sometimes, but planner is really like if I need to coordinate with a small group of people and work with them or, you know, we need to, to work on things together and, mm -hmm. and work for a common goal. That's where planner really comes into play, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, just this morning, I was on with one of our one of our folks, and um, we decided that there was a small project we were working on. It was really just a set of tasks, and we had a, um, you know, I hate to admit it, we had a spreadsheet where we we launched this initiative, and we were just listing tasks out, right? But now it's getting, we've kind of, you know, this thing is kind of going live, and it's becoming bigger. Um, it's not big enough to justify using Project Online, but we decided to use planner and the board piece for it. So we just created the buckets for, and these are all the backlog items we want to do. These are the work in process. This is the testing. This is the deployment. Um, so, you know, it's just a simple thing, but it's easy to go assign. People get, when you do the assignment, they get the notification. They've got a new thing. They can go to their board and, and see what they have to work on. Um, so it works really nice for that kind of thing. And it can work for standalone things. We've mm -hmm. also used it in conjunction with, with projects, right? So if you right. have like project yeah. online, um, and this is the the example that the, the customer I was telling you about and we were talking about um, they they're doing project online they have a large deployment um, well relatively large I think they have 300 people or something but um, they, they have these tasks that don't justify putting them into a project you're right? never so going to put all, everything in there can't put right? everything in a project it's no. that would be that's that's a, a fool's errand <laughs> to try to track everything <laughs> that way uh, and create the dependencies and everything else. And I mean, yeah. that's for thing that's for work that's aggregated into a logical chunk mm -hmm. um, and it's large enough to justify doing that. If you have smaller things that are going on, planner is a great, a great tool for doing that. Yeah, you know what? Like uh, when I was doing day to day project management, there was, you know, the, always the project plan. And then there was the what I called action items or the things mm -hmm. that you know, came out of the status meeting the things that you know were small or somebody just had to do this or that or help somebody out with something. And you're right, you never go back. You're not gonna enter those into the project. Now, um, they, they do take time. You know, oh yeah. And, uh, and they, they are taking away from something else that someone could be doing. So it's kind of a balance, but um, I always track those separately. I would, if I were doing that in today's world with, I would use planner for those things, hands yeah. down. Yeah, and the way I've seen, you know, we've done it in the past. I've done it in the past. You probably have done the same thing when you're managing multiple resources and getting into a little more complex, um, you know, concept here. But um, what you can do is you can say, well, we've got this pool of resources that are available for projects, and then you can decrement their availability over in the project side to a percentage, 20 or 30 percent, for all this other kinds of work. And then yeah. you can track that kind of work in tools like Planner or Project for the Web, and then you can aggregate it there. Yeah, that's a good one. And it kind of to come full circle on that conversation too. You can embed a document in a planner plan item. Yes. Which is then co-authorable. Yeah, absolutely. So yep. if you're working on something together or you're working on a requirements document or something you need to produce as and that is attached to a task on a planner board, you can co-author it right from there. That is really nice. Yep, that really is. And the other thing you can do, as you mentioned or Josh mentioned yesterday, um, is you can take that whole planner plan and you can put it into a team site, whether it's a team site that has multiple plans or it's just part of that initiative that you're working on. So now you can have your communications, you can have you know um, chats that are all relevant to that body of work. Yeah, you put it in the the Teams channel as a tab. Mm -hmm. Those the yep. tabbing in Teams and those channels is very powerful to be able really to pull is. in different things. And we even we pull in Power BI there, we pull in Planner, we pull in Project. Um, mm -hmm. And and you can do different things. Even non Microsoft tools can be pulled into that 
those channel tabs. Yeah, um, it's really that's really a powerful feature. That's that's something that we use every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah, Teams yeah. really is becoming a it all comes back to teams all the time, right? The conversation it just really does. It's, it's really I couldn't live without it at this point. It's become really core to it really has. my daily work environment. And I, I think at first everybody was like a little bit too used to like Skype for business or, you know, and sure. their IM, the IMing and things like mm-hmm. that. And there are some there are some drawbacks of teams. And one of the ones that we find the most frustrating is like when we're on a call and then we want to go to a document um it's just it feels like you know we end up having to go back and dig through you know the whole team to find the document and then you want to flip back to the call you have to go do it again you have to go find that thing again um that's a little bit weird yeah, and it minimizes the call too. So yeah. you have to go, you know, the call gets small and then you're and they're looking in the team site for this stuff. So yeah, there's some improvements I'm I'm hoping they'll make. Yeah, me too. Um, but on the whole, I'm pretty happy and excited about it. I really do think that they're right about a lot of the ways that they thought people would want to work um and give them that flexibility within teams. Um there is a balance there about like sort of the organic growth of teams, like you were saying earlier, and the organizational kind of content. Um, wanting wanting to structure the content, you know, right. from an organizational standpoint, um, and really, it's almost um, there's almost a conflict there, you know. There is. And I think there is. There's a natural something. conflict, yeah, and, and it has a lot to do with scale, I think, and what we've seen. Right, right. So a couple of of other things, you know, that I was you know, you know wanting to talk about today, we've come, kind of covered the gamut in a lot of ways. Um, how about this, Mike? You know, I think we all we all kind of went through this cycle where we all, you know, bought into and 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 advocated and are still part of the PMI community, where yeah. you know a project has a as a start and a finish, um, and there's that things and activities and tools that help manage that project management process, and I think that's still you know largely true. Like the whole thing, right? Now, I don't think anything's being debunked at this point. But what I think is, is from my perspective, I think what's really happened is that the tool sets that were used for that process were different tools, right? Than the rest of the work that was going on, and we were trying to segment that out. Right but now, I think there's a recognition that the same tools can be used for everything, right? Yep. Yeah, across so the board. How, what, how are we kind of seeing that play out? I think maybe that's a point of discussion. Uh, yeah, this is um, probably going to be. That's the one. That's yeah, the, it's, it, it's probably going to it's going to go into probably other episodes maybe, as well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this idea that work management, um, I think over time, especially in the in the more like you said, you mentioned PMI, so kind of the more regimented, certified kind of way of doing things. Um, it started out being very waterfall. You had to do this before that, and you, right. you know, these kinds of things. Um, and that still applies in many things. I mean, you can't build a house um, by having, you know, getting a hundred workers to stand around and, you know, three people start Especially working on the with foundation. Social distancing, you know. Well, yeah, you can't do that right now, anyway, <laughs> right? Um, but when you can, yeah, um, <laughs> virtual house, right? Uh, yeah. You don't want everybody sitting around. So there. So what ended up happening is people started using a lot more agile um, type of things. And and that's really big in, in the dev spaces and in, in a lot of our customers and communities. Um, but I think what's happening now is there's a recognition that it's really both. And even PMI has embraced mm-hmm. it. And they've, you know, I think about a year, year and a half ago, they came out with the Agile supplement to the, the PMBOK, the project management body of knowledge. So you've got 
um, this recognition that there's this all up work going on and right. um, what you really you mentioned this at the at the beginning of the episode and it's one of the things that will be a refrain that we'll keep talking about is you know what's really key what most organizations can't do is visualize all the work that's going on right. or and or harmonize the work that's going on with one set of tools here like at, maybe it's Azure DevOps that they're doing um, you know their development and they're they're doing all their sprints and all those kinds of things and code management over there but they still need the, the capability to be able to say all right which projects are when you know when did it begin when did it end um, yeah, maybe there's some financial components to it maybe there's some portfolio planning pieces to it so right. the ability to start joining this up and then being able to use a uh, you know a visualization tool like Power BI to put this information together um, what work management really is all about at the end of the day is doing things more effectively, more efficiently, um, better, better cost management, all these kinds of things. So, you know, the, the, the one of the key tenets there is visibility creates um, uh, opportunity. So if right. you can see issues earlier or potential problems, whether it's you're, you're running too much time, you're running over budget, um, scope is changing, those kinds of things. If you can see those earlier in the process and you can get the information and getting that information is done in a way that doesn't require you chasing your tail all the time. I mean, <laughs> what most people, you and I have experienced this for years and years and years, and our customers tell us this every day we get on calls, and, and one of the first things they say is, we just spend all day looking for data, right? Kind of like the, the email thing. Why not use email? Because you're over there searching your email for the last status report. And, and then which one is the right one? Was it the one I sent Brian or is it the one I sent Joe? Or is it, you know, so chasing information becomes a lot of what project managers and, and just work management is, are doing. So if you can get that process more um, streamlined and get it into uh, common sets of tools and then be able to report on it, then that information becomes actionable. We've had customers that have seen this and it really changes the paradigm because you, you go from what, where are we really? What's the truth? Because this information is everywhere to we, we have confidence in the truth here on this dashboard that's pulling from different areas. And now what do we do about it? So now right. you focus your, your brain power, your human capital and energy on solving problems rather than chasing information. And at the end of the day, that's one of the biggest advantages for all of this work management stuff, right? I mean, that can that really changes the the whole paradigm of how people go about uh, managing their their work. Wow, that's uh, that's really powerful stuff. So we we feel like these tools should be the right tool to use that should only be enough for what you want to get done, right? So if right. you if you want to distribute tasks to people and co-author documents, use Planner. If you need a project management tool that, you know, has a scheduling engine component to it, but you're sort of just tipping your toe into the project management sphere, Project for the web is probably the right one for you. But if you need to do portfolio, project management, resource management, we still have that project online component. But but no, Mike, I think we're real we like where Microsoft's going with the whole thing. Oh, so yeah. They have a unique opportunity and sort of sort of to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. um, because if all of the different kinds of work are going on in the respective tool that's right for right sized for that the rigor that's needed for that particular thing, but it's all going into a, on a centralized platform, yeah. um, then we're going to be able to do what you just said. We can get insight into the data that's going on in that platform. We can get a reporting dashboard about what's what's happening. Maybe um, even something consolidated 
with all right. of the action items and ad hoc work alongside the project and the dev activities in one place. That's really the vision, and that's what we try to do for our customers, is what we're hearing more and more um, about that. So, so that's going to be, I think, where we're going to spend I, the vast majority, I think, of our, of our time and energy in the next uh, few years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think sure. so, too. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. We're, the, the fact that the platform's there and the platform has these, all these applications we talk about, but the more important piece is, as you mentioned, it's the underlying data constructors. Right. And with Microsoft's new, uh, well, it's not so new, but the, the whole CDS and, and the power platform yep. and, and the components and being able to put everything into a, a, a common data structure um, and, and what they're now calling an infinite data uh, pool or data garden, I think is what they call it. You, you're going to create all kinds of new opportunities. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be a standardization of what work items are, and then you can apply all kinds of things to them to really understand what's going on. So that's the long-term vision. I think, like I said, there's going to be a lot of work in that direction, um, and, and that's going to bring some really new and interesting results. Everything from how people interact um, with these tools and technologies on a database as to how the reporting comes out, how more advanced things like artificial intelligence will be able to, to mine this and be able to make predictive analysis and, and make recommendations and, and do things that are that were never before possible. So it's a it's an exciting new world in the work management space, I think. It is. It is, Mike. And I, I kind of to circle back what you were talking about earlier in the call, I mean, here we are in our home offices um, using technology to do work and to get things done. I just want to throw it out there. There's a lot of people that are out in the community um logistics folks people working at the grocery store uh, your local hardware store um you know in school systems across this country that they their job is not to work from home and they're out there in the community supporting all of us and making sure that you know key you know essential businesses are staying open so I just want to shout it out to everybody that's doing that uh, across the world yeah yeah, that's great. They, um, those people really are literally keeping us all alive, right? Everything yeah. from production to truckers, all the people you mentioned, the first line health workers, everyone. So um, they're doing they're doing yep. the work that is keeping us going. Yep, that's we're, for we're sure. Doing, and those of us who can work from home need to do our part to keep commerce going and support them as well. So it's all it's all one big um, economic engine, and and all these pieces are are tied together. So it's uh it's important stuff. It is, Mike. It is, and it all brings it all home. So I think, like you know, a lot of the folks um, maybe in an office setting, you know, kind of, we almost uh, take those folks for granted. And I don't think we'll ever do that again. No, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> so um, until next time, you know, this is episode one of the "Are You Done Yet?" podcast. Are you done yet, Mike? Uh, I think we're done today. <laughs> Are we done? Yeah, I think we're done. done. <laughs> all right, Brian. Until awesome. next time. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Until next time. Take care. Thank you. Take care.